With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport. With in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. All right, let's begin. Hello and welcome to episode 138 of the Inside Try Show, sponsored by Resilient Nutrition, who make nutrition products to help you perform at your best mentally and physically. I'm Helen Murray, and each week on the Inside Try Show, I bring you awesome interviews from triathlon and beyond. It is part two of the interview with Bobbit, Bob Babbitt, on this week's show. He loves a good story and he loves also sharing other people's stories. And I know Sid, Laura Siddle, will particularly appreciate a lot of what Bob says in this interview. By the way, if there is anything or anyone that you want to hear from on the podcast, then drop me an email. It's helen at insidetryshow.com and just let me know or you can drop me a message on social media at insidetryshow because as you know, I do try to bring, let's say an eclectic mix, stuff that you're going to learn from, stuff that you might have a giggle at, stuff that's going to make you feel good and other interviews that may help to make you a better athlete so there is always something for everyone whether you breathe swim bike run or maybe you just enjoy a good story and a good interview while you are doing the chores or you're out walking the dog but yeah let me know helen at insidetryshow.com i can't promise i can do it but i'll certainly give it a go now over the last month or so dr greg potter from podcast sponsors resilient nutrition has been sharing his nutrition tips as you lead up to race day resilient nutrition do really 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 yummy long-range fuel nut butters and they do switched on as well which is a bit like hot chocolate and it helps to combat fatigue and this week dr greg potter explains all about carbs and why they matter in training and racing 
during the event itself, the type of carbohydrate that you consume does matter. And you've probably seen lots of sports nutrition companies harping on about the fact that they use a two to one glucose to fructose ratio. The reason they mention that is because glucose uses a certain transporter in the gut, SGLT1, and fructose uses another, which is GLUT5. And because of that, if you combine the two, then if your carbohydrate intake is above a certain level, you can take up a larger total amount of carbohydrate because you can saturate both of those transporters. Hopefully that makes sense. But basically, given that, it's possible to burn carbohydrate at a higher rate and thereby improve exercise performance. Interestingly, though, there's some more recent work that's looked at some different ratios. And based on that more recent work, my impression is that a ratio of something close to five to four, so five parts glucose or maltodextrin to four parts fructose is better with respect to how quickly you can burn carbohydrate. And also there's some evidence that it might also improve digestive comfort and reduce feelings of nausea. And so I think we're going to see a shift in sports nutrition companies away from that two to one ratio towards this five to four ratio. But it can be the difference between you only being able to take up carbohydrate at 60 grams per hour and 100 grams per hour. And so I would look into products that combine those two different sources of carbohydrate. So either glucose or maltodextrin plus fructose and finally the actual form of the carbohydrate matters too so most people find liquid items less likely to cause digestive issues than solid items so if you look at your gut training protocol then you might progress from some of those liquid items to gel-like items to solid items over time in addition to progressing the total amount of carbohydrate that you consume too by the way, I'll be keeping keep your eyes on resilient nutrition over the coming months, as I know they do have some exciting plans in place. You can get 10% off everything over at resilientnutrition.com. Just use the code inside try10. Time for this week's interview. So it is time for part two of my interview with Bob Babbitt. If you haven't yet heard part one, then go and listen to that one first and then come back and listen to this one. It'll make more sense. So in part one, we heard the all important, I asked a very important question about what Bob himself likes for breakfast. I mean, we all want to know, right? We heard a little bit about him as a person and also why he has been so passionate about triathlon since the very beginning. In part two of this interview, Bob gives us his thoughts on the coverage of triathlon. It often divides opinion. Why long distance coverage doesn't engage with non-triathlon fans a lot of the time. And we hear about his work with the Challenged Athletes Foundation. And of course... I couldn't not mention Poncho Man. After the St. George, after the Ironman World Championships um, this year, you said there was a kind of conversation going on about the coverage, really. And you said that pro triathletes are the world's greatest endurance athletes, like in my opinion. 
But yeah. triathlon cannot be considered a big time sport until our big events receive rights fees like yeah. golf, like basketball, like cycling, like tennis. And when that happens, everything changes. It does. And it's funny because I was just uh, watching, there's a, a whole series on Title IX, which is the Title IX uh, here in the States, a, a lot, basically f- had colleges provide, uh, they had to provide um, sport for women as well, right? You couldn't just have uh, a, a collegiate, if you had football, baseball, basketball, that was great, but you had to have women's programs as well, which is awesome. Well, when I was listening to Venus Williams talking about prize money, et cetera, and um, the problem is you look at all these other sports, tennis, they get, they get rights fees, right? TV pays to broadcast that. And that's where the money comes in for the athletes. Golf, the, the money comes in from TV, baseball, football, soccer. And that's one thing for our sport and even, you know, running your major marathons, uh, they, I, they get rights fees. And the Tour de France gets rights fees. At this point, I know the Ironman World Championship pays for television. They pay for NBC. I'm not sure what PTO or Clash are. are I don't think, if anything, maybe it's a, maybe it's a rev share. Maybe it's a, a trade agreement of some sort. But it's, it's a little for our sport to get to where it needs to be, there needs to be money coming in. And maybe it's, you know, pay-per-view dollars that come in for watching the Collins cup on, you know, online. Uh, I don't think those, that revenue is, is, is really there yet. And if you look at, you know, what boxing has done or MMA, UFC, it's those dollars are coming from people paying to watch the product. So how does triathlon do that? That's the issue, isn't it? How does triathlon make that product that people who maybe don't do triathlon, like non-triathlon fans, how do they engage them? That's the the big question, because you look at when you looked at the mixed relay, when you watch when I watched the uh, the Olympics, a couple of things stuck out. One, we've seen over the last number of years, WTS going with more sprint distance races. Right. Yeah, Sprint and and, and then bringing in the mixed relay. Yeah. Right. So my gut tells me from a television perspective, you're going to see the Olympic distance in the not so distant future be the sprint. Because when we were watching the Olympics, and you're probably the same way, if they're doing 18 laps or whatever they're doing on the bike, it's like, it's pretty dull. Yeah. And you could cut that in half. You could cut the run laps in half and nobody would complain. And from a television perspective, you're able to get this, you're able to, to go to your last commercial and be able to broadcast the whole thing in, in under, you know, in an hour and a half or eight, 90 minutes, whatever it happens to be. That to me is, is, is a big deal. Um, and then the mixed relay, it's constant action. So much fun. We look at every sport out there. Uh, every sport is adding relays and adding mixed relays. That's where we see more of the action. So then you wonder, you're certainly not going to get terrestrial TV to be doing a blow by blow for a 140.6 mile race. It's, it's that somebody's doing a time by, or they're getting, you know, it's a rev share. There's something, but there's for, for the with short time by, do you mean, sorry, with time by, do you mean, is that highlights? Is that what you mean? No, like what a- I mean is like, if like when, when Ironman did uh, actually Ironman in the early days with ABC, ABC wireless sports would pay Ironman 
to broadcast their show, right? Then it got to the point where they went with, when they moved to NBC in 1990, Iron Man got a discount, but Iron Man was still paying for the TV show. That's why I say a time buy. So when I owned my Buddy Buddy series or my Endurance Awards, I would barter a deal with ESPN to get my show on and I would produce it, right? We would provide them to their standards, the, the Muddy Buddy half hour TV show, Muddy Buddy World Championship TV show. And then, you know, I would either drop in commercials for my guys, for my sponsors, but it was, it was basically a barter. They got half hour of content for free and I got coverage, for, I don't know, I got broadcast for free, but it wasn't, they weren't paying me. <laughs> if anything, I'm paying because I'm producing the show. Okay. So yeah, that's that's really where triathlon has been. Uh, you, I'm sure it's the same way in the UK. You'll see sports on TV. You're like, what is spike ball doing on TV? What is poker doing on TV? Well, they're they're getting they're getting a, a fan base. So what we see what Super League is doing and what um, WTS is doing. The big question is. Are they generating enough revenue, like real revenue, to to pay the athletes, to take care of all their staff between, you know, that that's the big thing. And will that go on terrestrial television? And is that important? That that's the other side of it. But people are like, well, you could make long distance triathlon interesting. Do you think yeah, you can? you can. You can. And I think what what Iron Man has learned through the NBC show is listen. We're not doing this show for the triathlon fans, right? They're, they're going to watch no matter what. What we're trying to do is drive new people in. So we're going to do a lot of stories. And this actually, Lisa Lacks was a producer for NBC in 1990, 89, 90, when they, they first took that over. And Lisa saw the value. She produced all the Olympic features for, for the NBC. So she saw that these there's big stories within this. This Luke Van Leerde is great. Peter Reed is great. But the real story is Dick Hoyt, right? The real story is what would a father do for his son? And that becomes the story. And, you know, and every year you'd get the complaints from the trial. I want to see more of the racing. Well, this race was six months ago, right? <laughs> you know what happened. Those stories drive new people in to do the sport of triathlon. If you look at the what I call the original reality television was Julie Moss in 1982. Collapsing the Right, but that's that up until then, if you think about it, uh, that was 82. The first year was televised 1980, uh, Dave Scott won and looked like he had gone for a jog around the block. And in 81, a guy named John Howard won and John, was a you know three-time Olympian, Pan American Games gold medalist. The person watching on television couldn't relate to either of those guys, right? So the sport was growing, but not not big. And it was a huge growth in terms of the coverage and everything. There was there was not a, a huge oh my god that coverage led to doubling the numbers of people in Kona. Well, then when Julie, who 22 years old with freckles, red hair could be your neighbor, could be your neighbor's kid, could be babysitting your kid. When you watched her come apart at the seams and crawl and poo herself and crawl again and collapse on the finish line. And when she collapsed on the finish line for the last time, right? She got passed by Kathleen McCartney. 
Kathleen's jumping up and down. Julie, the camera zooms back, and there you see her crawling on all fours. And the person watching at home who couldn't relate to Dave Scott, couldn't relate to John Howard, is seeing this young woman and thinking to himself or to herself, what is it about that finish line that's so important that someone will crawl to get there and collapse on the finish with a smile on her face, be carried off on a stretcher? That's what they were thinking. And how do I get some of that in my life? That's, that's some pretty cool stuff. So when Julie got taken off on a stretcher, back then, ABC Wild World of Sports, they would do three 20-minute vignettes in their show. So as soon as Julie's on the stretcher being carried off, they go to another vignette. You know, it's like roller derby or ice dancing. So people at home had no idea if Julie was alive or dead. So they called the phone lines at ABC Wild World of Sports. And the phone lines, you know, they had a thing called a switchboard back then, lit up to the point where they had to fly Julie and Kathleen to New York the following weekend to be on air with Jim McKay, who was sort of the dean of ABC Wild World of Sports, to assure the American public that this sport doesn't kill people, right? But that moment led to the creation of the United States Triathlon Series, because that was February of 82. USTS started in June of 82. And who were the two stars of that series? Julie Moss and Kathleen McCartney, right? Then they added a second Ironman in 82 in October so that people from the UK or people from Italy or from other places where, you know, when you have an event that's in February, who the heck can train for it? Well, now it's in October and you can train for it from all over the world. It made it an international event. It, the numbers skyrocketed in terms of entries. It changed everything. But it wasn't because of Dave and John Howard. It was because of Julie and Kathleen. And that, that changed everything. Then, but that's when television realized the important part here is the storytelling. Because Jim Lampley was the host of that, of the, he was the commentator and he had to argue with the ABC folks because they wanted him to do play by play as they were showing this. And he's like, no, just play some music and let it play and let the drama speak for itself. And that's exactly what happened. And that, you know, Julie and Kathleen became the biggest stars in the sport because of that moment. And if you think about our biggest stars, you know, Dick, Dick Hoyt and Rick Hoyt, were huge, right? And Chris Nickich from Ironman Florida uh, with Down syndrome. And those are the stories that resonate. And, and Ironman realized early on and NBC realized early on that those that's what the average person can relate to. And maybe that will lead to them going and doing a triathlon themselves. So, you know, that's, that's really, to me, why the sport. And those stories are great. But in terms of people just watching a live coverage of just the pros, will that resonate for, will somebody pay for that? Will you, that's the big question. Will the television networks pay for uh, seven, eight, nine hours of programming um, so that, you know, so that the sport can be, be baseball, football, basketball, hockey. That at this point, it's not, it's not there. Right. Okay. This this is going to be a stupid question, but why do you think then that people are happy to sort of watch? I don't know a, a dramatic uh, Grand Slam tennis match, which might go on for four or five hours. Um, so, what engages them to do that? And what is missing from watching 
and Iron Man pan out for like eight hours. I think the the difference is is think about how easy it is to cover tennis. I mean, you've you've got your cameras, your guys are getting sandwiches who are filming the thing. They're here. It's totally enclosed. There's certain sports that work so well on television, and that's why. I, and to be honest, I love the whole idea of what they do at Clash Daytona and Clash Miami because it's it's a controlled environment. When somebody goes down, you know, when we had in Miami, when we had one of the athletes go over to handlebars, they had it from seven angles, right? Because they're used to shooting NASCAR. Uh, interesting, funny story is I was talking to NASCAR guys before the first, what was then Challenge Daytona, and said, are you guys concerned? Because it's NASCAR TV is going to be filming this. And he's like, so how fast did they go? I said, you know, they'll be going 30. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. We go 200. I'm not really worried about covering this thing. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a pickup truck at the top of the bank, and we'll get the West Cam on there, and we won't have a problem covering it. I mean, that's the thing is, I think with that type of coverage, uh, when you're in a closed venue like that, that if you've got compelling racing, I mean, the hard part is when you're watching tennis, at that point, you got the first, you know, usually the two top people going head to head and you, you're, you're immersed in it, right? For four hours. Plus, you know, think about it. Everybody is, is winning in this because the players have their logos on. They're getting four hours of Nike, Adidas, whatever, showcase for them. So they're investing in it because they're getting all that great television coverage. And then the, you know, Wimbledon is, is selling merchandise and they're selling tickets. They've got tickets. You've got all these other sports that have ticket revenue, TV revenue, right? All these other revenue streams that we don't have. And it's, you know, that to me is, is what uh, is, is the hardest thing is we're swimming a little uphill in trying to figure out, can we get, can we get ticket revenue? Uh, you know, not really sure how we do that. Can we get uh, TV revenue? If it's compelling, you know, maybe, you know, the, the Jan Ferdano, Lionel Sanders, that one against one, but it was pretty much over and <laughs> after the swim. It was just two, two people doing a time trial, which isn't the greatest television in the world. So, you know, did they generate revenue for themselves? Uh, hopefully they did. Did they get big numbers? You know, I think they did okay. But is that Wimbledon? Is that uh, the Masters? You know, and that's when we talk to Charles Adamo from PTO, that's one of the things he talks about is his model is tennis. We need to be getting revenue from TV. That's that's still the holy grail, and figuring out what format's going to work uh, for that. If it's long, if it's short, you know, I don't I don't think any of us know. We're, we're just hoping that one because that will be the game changer. We figure out how to do how to do television, like really compelling television that people are paying to watch, or people are paying to to televise. That changes everything. And people, some people would say that, you know, the Tour de France manage it, the Giro d'Italia manage it. Like these are just people sitting on bikes for literally, again, pretty much a day. And it gets, exactly. the, it gets the crowd, like it gets people watching. It gets people watching. They're getting paid, right? They're, they're paying for the rights to show the Tour de France. They're getting rights to show the Giro. Yeah. Um, and, but there's, again, there's not a ton of them that are getting paid. Right. There's there's a few Tour de France, Giro. I'm not sure who else. Maybe the Vuelta um, or maybe Paris-Roubaix. 
there's some classics, right? So if you think about it from our perspective, uh, Challenge Roth, I think has a TV deal of some sort uh, in, you know, in, in, in their area. Uh, Challenge Roth, Kona, and, you know, some of the Super League and some of the WTS and the Clash um, and, you know, Collins Cup. So, you know, but I don't think, I'm, I don't know if Collins Cup is getting paid to, for television that, that, or if they're buying it. There's, there's a difference. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Does it sometimes hurt you, Bob, that you, you're such a people person, right? You have so much respect for these incredible athletes, as you call them, like the best endurance athletes on the planet. Does it sometimes like, oh, but they just don't get that kind of attention that they should do? Right. That's probably one of the more frustrating parts is, is when that's why it was so cool. We just had this. PTO relay with our CAF athletes in LA. And the cool part was you had, you know, CAF athlete Haven Shepard, who's a double with an only amputee, and then Lionel Sanders doing a bike and Paul Felder from UFC during the run. And that what's so great about that is Paul Felder has the, you know, he and Lionel both have really big followings. So UFC guys are learning about triathlon, his big followers. And then, you know, then they're all learning about our Challenge Athlete Foundation and, and who our athletes are, and they become fans of each other. It's that's sort of the way to grow it, right? To grow awareness for our athletes. And if you look at right now, uh, Lionel, Jan, Lucy, Sebi, those are the folks that you've got certain, you got, in most sports, you have the have and have nots. The haves are way at the top, right? And then, you know, then, the, then everybody else is sort of battling for what's left. And it's th- th- a small sport. That's sort of what you're always dealing with. Because I, I saw it in, you know, obviously we see it in triathlon. I'm sure we'll be seeing it in gravel racing. Uh, you know, the top people, if you're a sponsor, you want that number one person. And so that number one person, a Daniela Reith, and they're, they're getting Mercedes and Red Bull and all the big ones. And then what are the, what, who else is out there for your lesser athletes? Not lesser athletes, but maybe less awareness. Um, and it's become tougher to be a professional athlete. Now, it used to be if you were a surfer or a snowboarder or a skateboarder, you had to have a videographer with you. You needed yes. that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has changed because now you've, you know, Talbot Cox has done some, you know, just wonderful, wonderful work. Yeah. And giving people, years ago, we did a thing, this is like goes back to 2011, we did a thing called Training Day. 
Okay. Where this is when we were with when we were uh, part of Triathlete Magazine and the, the our whole competitor group. But we we spent the day with Crowy doing a 112 mile ride, and he did this you know 10 one mile repeats, and then you know a few months later he goes and wins 70.3 worlds and breaks a world record in Kona. But this training day thing, this was fairly early in, in, in streaming and not streaming, but in, in people watching stuff online. Yeah. And it had hundreds of thousands of views because we were giving people a backstage pass. So people got to see Crowe getting into an ice bath and seeing him do on his training day, doing this 112 mile ride and then, you know, doing the, these runs and, you, could, you know, it's 90 some degrees that gave people a sense of what it takes to do what these guys do. Well, Lionel does that every day. And Jan, and, and to a lesser degree, Jan and Lucy, they, they're sharing their sort of backstage moments. And people love that. And so in this day and age, if you're a top athlete, you got to be making enough dollars to afford your own videographer because you need to be doing that storytelling, which is great. Again, it gives people that backstage pass. And I think the other thing it does our athletes have realized that, hey, back in the day, I remember Peter Reed, I was interviewing Peter Reed and like, where are you at? He says, well, I can't tell you. It's, I'm in my double secret training area. You know, people didn't share what they were doing. It was like, oh, I don't want Tim DeBoom to know what I'm doing. And well, now our guys are like, yeah, I just did a 120 mile ride. Here's what my power was. And I did 10 one mile repeats on 515. And this is what my interval. They're like, if you go for it, if you can go do this, you know, I don't mind sharing what I'm doing. But I think what's been great about this era is if you think about the runners, all these collegiate runners and top you know, Olympic runners, they're sharing what they're doing. So the high school kids are going, OK, I've got a, I've got a roadmap. I know what I need to do. And he's showing me what I need to do. I can choose to do it or not do it. And you can watch Lionel's workout and go, I'm going to go do that or I'm not going to do that. But, you know, you're you now you know what it takes to be the best. You, you've got to work hard. Never look at them, Bob, and go, oh, geez. <laughs> exactly. Do you, do you look at them? Do you watch them for do you ever watch them like just sort of for fun because you're a triathlon fan or, or do you watch them as part of your research? Mainly, I, you know, I'm for both, you know, um, I, I watch and I, I follow a lot of the social just to see what's going on, who's, you know, doing cool stuff. And, uh, but I, you know, what always intrigues me that I've never been, when we look at all the training and everything that everybody's doing at the end of the day, you know, I've got these bobbleheads around here somewhere of Dave Scott and Mark Allen from 89. And I, I know I'm that old guy who looks at this stuff. I'm going, well, wait a second. Guys are still swimming 49, 50 minutes in Kona, right? If that hasn't really changed that much. Mark and Dave were doing 240, 241, which with transition was like 239, 240. Okay, take those two, how much has it changed, right? How much faster are the guys going? They're not, not really going that much faster, except on the bike. And the bike is, you know, technology and the equipment itself. So you, you know, it's, it's the, the new training that everybody's doing is awesome, but we always see those cycles where it's, I'm a, I'm, I want to know, you know, I want to know everything. I want to know, you know, uh, how much calories I'm taking in. I want to know my glycogen, all that type of stuff. Then you, then someone will have success 
and say, yeah, I don't look at anything. I, I just I just go out and race. And then, then, then you'll see people going back that way. So there's always ebb and flow of how people train and how people compete. And it's, it's, it's which is make it, makes it fun. For years in swimming, it was, I'm going to do, yeah, everybody was swimming, you know, if I'm swimming 80,000 a week, meters a week, uh, 90,000 is better. And then it gets to, well, wait, you know what? I'm swimming faster with 70,000. So I'm going to go there. Oh, I'll follow that. So that the change in training is, is always going to be there. What intrigues me with athletes is the stories, right? So when I was talking to Sarah True the other day, actually, I haven't posted this one yet, but Sarah's wonderful. I just love her personality. And she was telling me about her first time in Kona. And, you know, her husband, Ben True, is, you know, an Olympian. He's a, he's a great runner. And she's like, Ben comes back after a five-mile run, and he's, like, collapsing on the couch. And this is, this is the worst thing ever. Who could ever run in this heat? This is ridiculous. And she's going, yeah, that's not real helpful for me right now. <laughs> to be complaining about a five mile run in a hundred degree heat. I got to run a marathon on Saturday, dude. You know, <laughs> I just love that. It's like, Oh my God, this is the worst. I can't believe anybody would run in this. Oh, wait. Oh, you are doing that. Sorry about that. <laughs> it cracks me up. That's, you know, for the training stuff is great, but the stuff that really resonates with me is, is the stories. I just love just people overcoming or people sharing things that, uh, you know, because all of us are pretty fragile. I remember the first time we were in Kona in 1981, uh, I had some friends staying with me um, and they're coming over to watch the Ironman. And so we're standing at the pier and the waves, this is two days, I think, before the race, the waves are breaking over the pier. They're breaking over the wall, the wall on that are going onto a Lee drive, right? And I'm not the most confident open water swimmer, and my friend Trisha just looked at me and goes, I think drowning would be the worst way to die. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're just thinking, that's not real Thanks. helpful to me right now. Thanks for that. It's sort of like Ben going, I, this is ridiculous. Why would you run in this heat? Why would anybody? Oh, that's right. That's how you make your living. That's what you're going to be doing. So anyways, that, that, those are the things that, that, <laughs> that, you, uh, that stand the test of time. Those, those stories of, of people overcoming and, and just just changing their lives through our sport. And Bob, what does it mean to you to, again, let's say change lives through the Challenged Athletes Foundation? What does it mean like deep down to you? Oh, it's, it's when you see our kids with a big smile on their face surfing, right? Or you see... Uh, you know, Landis, who I talked about earlier, and you see him hanging out with major league players and them being excited to meet him, right? And you realize that, you know, five years ago, eight years ago, nobody knew who this kid was and had, you know, or, you know, Roderick Sewell, who finished Ironman in 2019, you know, double above knee amputee, African-American kid who was homeless. I mean, his, to show you how screwed up the healthcare system is his mom was working for the military as a civilian and couldn't afford legs for for her kid right and her insurance wouldn't cover that the only way she could get 
legs for her kid was to become homeless and move, quit her job, move into this what was called St. Vincent de Paul uh, Center, a homeless shelter, and then she'd get legs for her kid. And then, you know, then next thing you know, he gets connected with us and then he's finishing, becomes the first double above knee amputee to finish an Ironman and is standing at the finish line with Jan Ferdinand. Uh, it's that, that type of stuff, seeing where our athletes were and where they are and just watching their growth as, as athletes and as people. And uh, that's, that to me is, is what it's all about. And seeing our athletes celebrated that what PTO and Sam Renouf and Charles Adamo did at that LA uh, Herbalife LA triathlon, having our athletes treated the same exact way as Lionel Sanders and Sam Long and those guys, you know, I sent Lionel and his wife, Erin, a video of Haven Shepard, who was their teammate, who, you know, she lost her legs as an infant when her birth parents, who were birth parents in Vietnam, were, had, were married to other people. So they were having an affair. So that's taboo in Vietnam. So they decided to kill themselves and wrapped a bomb around themselves in Haven held her like this and killed themselves and blew her legs off. And this amazing family from Missouri saw the story, flew to Vietnam. You see them on a bus, on a car, on a moped, going out into the bush and grandma walking out of a little thatched hut and handing this little girl Haven to this, the shepherds from Missouri who already had six kids and brought all blonde hair, blue eyed kids, except for Haven, who fit in like a hand in glove because she was a shepherd girl. And then she just made her first Paralympic team in swimming and has a personality that's off the charts. And Lionel and um, uh, Paul Felder, uh, they just fell in love with her. They're all endurance athletes. They can identify with each other. That, that to me is, is, is what it's all about. And that's what made that weekend so special. And do you ever sort of like mentally, it's quite emotional. Some of the stories involved in the Challenge Athletes Foundation. How do you, um, I guess, like, how do you offload some of that, some of that mental toughness in, in, your, in your head when you're thinking about all these people? Well, it's, it's funny because a lot of times we were just doing, uh, uh, I think I was interviewing, who was I interviewing? Laura Siddle. And Laura Siddle and Lauren Parker have become really close friends. And Lauren, they're both going to go do Ironman Australia. This is the number year. This is 2017. And Lauren Parker crashed right before, you know, in a couple of weeks before the race and was paralyzed from the waist down. And Laura Siddle ended up winning the first of her three titles. But she went to visit Lauren in the hospital and they have become fast friends. And when we brought Lauren to San Diego that same year for San Diego Triathlon Challenge, Laura Siddle was here. And I get emotional every time I, I think about it because it's, uh, it just shows athletes and people caring for each other. And those guys will be friends for the rest of their lives. The same with Cam Orff was there that year. And that's why it's always been important to me to get our professional athletes. Sam Long came this last year. Chris McCormick came a number of years ago. He came to our triathlon. And the following year, he said, 
listen, I need to come. Uh, I need to bring my girls here. They need to see this. They need to meet these kids. And it was funny. So uh, they, he came and did our bike ride that year. We have this thing called the million dollar challenge, 625 mile ride from San Diego, from San Francisco to San Diego, 175 riders, $12,500 each, but there'll be 20 challenge athletes on the ride as well. And cycles and so we finish up at a place called La Jolla Shores Park and all of our kids are out there to greet the 175 riders. They put medals around their necks. And while they're waiting they're we've got hurdles set up and they're all playing. So Chris McCormick's wife is there with their two girls. And it's like, you know, honey, why don't you go play with the other kids? And her daughter goes, I can't play with them. I don't have a magic leg like they do. Like I don't have a prosthetic leg like they do. And that has changed so much from years ago. If someone was an amputee, they covered it up. They wore long pants. And I think CAF has had a big part to do with this. It's okay to have a prosthetic leg. You've got Superman logo on there. You've got a Batman logo on there. You've got Scooby-Doo on there. You, you, you stand out. That's what makes you different in a good way. And that to me is, is what it's all about, is people feeling comfortable in their own skin. People feeling that, hey, yeah, I'm missing legs, so what? Rudy and Roderick lived together in New York, probably one of the most uh, inhospitable cities for people with disabilities, <laughs> trying to get the subway system, you gotta go downstairs, all that stuff. And those guys wore shorts all winter. They wanted people to see their legs. They wanted people to know what they were dealing with. And that to me, shows they're, they're just comfortable. They are, that's who they are. And, you know, when we first started CAF back then, the whole idea of charity was really sort of sad. It was late night infomercials with violin music and, you know, please help these poor souls, right? That type of crap. Well, when we started, the first photo shoot we did was with Rudy, with an amazing photographer named Tim Antoani. And it was Rudy with his arms folded with, you know, sort of a low hero shot. And uh, you saw his legs. And the attitude was, yeah, so what? I'm missing legs. Give me a piece of equipment. I'll kick your ass. Right. That was the attitude. And that's been the, the power of sport. That's what we've always wanted. And seeing our athletes go to the Paralympics is great. But seeing them you know, become doctors, seeing them, you know, having this last year, I think I did five college recommendation letters for kids who've been with us since they were like seven, eight, nine years old. And that's the type of stuff, seeing our kids thrive as athletes and as people and moving on in their lives and getting degrees. And that's the stuff that matters. And it's been that, that part of the journey. It's been 29 years we sent out, we've raised $147 million on over 40,000 grants. And it's, uh, that's, the, the stats are great, but it's those, those individual stories that really resonate. And you're going to get Nathan Ford over. Well, you've, you've said to Nathan Ford, to, he's got to come, right? Driving, we want to get Nathan Ford over here. Nathan, tragic, tragic bike crash. Um, it's, we need to find him what sport is next. And, you know, the deal is, Everything could come back, which is great, but why wait, right? If you're able to walk and run and that stuff down the line, great. But in the meantime, let's find out if there's a sport for you that you like. Uh, that's because sport is sport makes you whole. 
sport is a huge part. And that's why we started CAF because we realized that insurance didn't cover anything to a sport because they considered sport a luxury item. And we all know that sports a huge part of who we are and what we do and not a luxury item in any way, shape or form. Bob, it's been spectacular. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Just just getting to, it's always fun to chat with you and I I appreciate you, you taking time because it's, uh, it's, 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 it's been a really, really fun journey. Our sport is, as you know, our sport is just so special and our, the athletes are, you know, the age group athletes and the pro athletes, there's a bond there that, that is just really, really special. I love it. And Bob, can I, um, wait, like, you know, the day, when the day comes that you don't really want to do breakfast with Bob anymore, is there a vacancy there for, for me? Upset you breakfast with Helen right there. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Anytime. We have a similar, we do have a similar passion though for, for the stories. That's what, uh, this is what it's all about. It's the stories. I, yeah. They, they resonate and they, you know, the, the thing is you, when I, when I look around this place. Oh, I'm saying, Bob, <laughs> you keep on looking behind you. All I'm seeing is the glorious, I, oh, I'm still in Hawaii. That, yeah. <laughs> no, I've got, I mean, we've got all sorts of trinkets from triathlon here, right? but it's, it's those, and every one of them reminds you of a story. And that's, that's the stuff that, that matters. So it's, uh, you know, when the picture that I have across from me of Dave Scott was actually painted by a, a guy named Moki Martin, who founded the Super Frog Triathlon. He's a Navy SEAL. And he was actually paralyzed. Uh, he raced triathlon for a lot of years. He became a quadriplegic and painted this painting I'm looking at as a quadriplegic of Dave Scott. And it's just, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And it's one of my prized possessions. By the way, do you, do you chat much to um, Poncho Man when you're not in Hawaii? Are you in touch we with him do. most weeks? Yeah, yeah. Poncho's great. We, are, you, are you like yeah. good buds? Do you go for a beer once oh, yeah. you've done all the recordings? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Poncho's one of my favorite. It was so funny because it was almost like we had this uh, when we were in when we were in St. George. I was like, Poncho, I don't know if I want the local kids to meet you because <laughs> next thing you know, they'll be They'll shaving their head. They'll be buying a ukulele. They'll be speaking pigeon. You know, we, we, we've got a, we, we've got a, a responsibility to the local citizenship that you just need to stay here in the studio and not leave because you can't go outside. <laughs> Has he done a song for you before, Bob? Has he, you know, he does a little like intro and they're all um, specific to each athlete. Yes. Has he done one for you? He has not done one specific because they all say breakfast with Bob. So I figured that that's okay. But uh, yeah, it's great when he does Lucy in the skies or when he does uh, uh, won't back down for, for Lionel. And Lionel was actually very moved by that because uh, it was such a perfect song. It was, you know, one time we had the Pease brothers on um, and he did uh, uh, over the rainbow. And it was just, it, those are the ones, Pancho will go out of his way to get me emotional. He, he knows how to do that. And he's, uh, and he's uh, yeah, he's, he's done that a number of times where he'll, he'll get me <laughs> with Lauren I th- Parker. I, th- I think I got you. <laughs> yes, you, you did get me. With, with just, it's funny because I was talking to Laura and I just like was losing it. And so she just jumped in. 
but because uh, that 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 relationship, when you see that type of stuff and see what you know, Lauren going from within a year of her accident, taking a bronze at the Commonwealth yeah, Games, yeah, that's the key is avoiding that spiraling depression. Uh, that's why it's important for for Nathan Ford to know that people are there, that people are with him and want to see where his journey goes and are supportive no matter what. Bob, you're a very good egg. <laughs> I can say the same, Helen. Thank you for all you do telling stories. You know, I think that, that people can relate to the stories way more. They could relate to the training or the stats and the rest of that. That stuff is great. But the stories is what people, ident- I think, what people can relate to. Okay. Thank you so much, Bob. Alan, a pleasure. Have a great one. Get in the ocean. Thanks for listening to the Inside Try Show. If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. Do get in touch. Let me know what you have been up to. I do always love hearing from you. Thank you to super sponsors, resilientnutrition.com, as well as my awesome patrons who help me to bring you this podcast week in, week out. You can get 10% off everything over at resilientnutrition.com. Just use the code InsideTry10. And if you like what I do and you want to show your support, you can sign up to be a patron as well over at patreon.com forward slash InsideTryShow. You can get a discount over at comfuel.co.uk. Just use the code InsideTry. And then if you want money off some skin protection and sun cream, use the code inside try at lifejacketskin.com but that is it for another week so happy training happy racing keep me posted with what you have been up to and we will catch up properly again next week sports social podcast network it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.